Thank you so much. Hey, well, good morning, everyone. And a huge welcome to those of you that are joining us online as well. Massive welcome to you. Um, what an amazing morning. Uh, I felt so safe between Martin and Wayne as I held their hands. They've both got really soft hands. Um, a really, really, really safe place. And I was a bit concerned that um, Kate was nervous about holding the person's hand next to her because it was her husband. Um, I, but anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sure it was more Sue. And Sue, I'm sure, has got lovely hands as well. But welcome um, to St. Peter's. We don't hold hands every Sunday, but it's good to do it sometimes. And um, a massive welcome to you. If this is your first time, this is a place you can belong before you need to believe and behave. We, we want you to know that this is a place you're welcome. And the, what we've been seeing is what we believe, that Jesus is for you, that he loves you, and that um, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we are here today celebrating as we begin to prepare for Christmas. Now, I wonder what word you would use to describe 2022. Maybe tough, maybe disappointing, maybe frustrating, maybe it's been a bit of a letdown, if you're honest. Or maybe there's a song, if you're a bit more of a, a musical person, who else is excited to see um, kind of the songs that they've listened to wrapped on Spotify over the next week? You know, we get that gift, we're like, oh my gosh, I've just listened to Wheels on the Bus. Um, that's, the, that's the song that's been playing the, played the most. The song that's in my head at the moment is, um, Life is a roller coaster, just gotta ride it. And, and actually, it's true. I'm just... Oh. I've always wanted to be in Bright City, but anyway. Um, uh, maybe spectacular one day, who knows. But uh, hey, listen, the, the reality is, it's been an interesting year, right? It's been a really interesting year. And as Miles said, it's, it's so true. There has been change for us. There's been change in this country. There's been change in this world. And actually, it's around this time of year that we find out the word that describes the year. Um, so a bunch of people at um, Collins Dictionary, they, they look at all of the words that have been used in the newspaper articles, the social media posts, and they look at about eight, 18 billion, I think it is, 18 billion words, and they come up with the word that describes the year. So 2014, the word was photobomb. Who remembers that? 2016 was Brexit. Still dealing with that. 2020, COVID. Let's move on from that eventually. In 2022, drum roll please, permacrisis, permacrisis, now not this type of, not this type of perm crisis, um, but the idea that we are in a permanent crisis, For those of us that are, have moustaches right now, we might be feeling like this as well. Um, but not this type of permanent crisis, but this, a permanent state of crisis. Look at some of the news articles from this year. We've been dealing with war again. We, are, we, have, we have bounced from prime minister to prime minister to prime minister. There's instability in a way that we haven't seen. The Queen passed away for so many. That sense of security and stability suddenly went. And... Some of us are watching Matt Hancock in the jungle. It's been an interesting year. Now listen, the world likes to label things. The world likes to tell us actually what we're meant to believe and how we're meant to live. And it will tell us how to, it will rewire our minds to believe that we are in crisis. But as Christians, as I've said, we believe in a Jesus who's the same yesterday, today and forever. And so I hope it's not too bold today to come up with my own word for 2022. And that's, we're going to get rid of the word crisis. 
We're going to keep PERMA and we're going to replace crisis with hope. PERMA hope. We are people that can have PERMA hope, a permanent hope. No matter the circumstance, no matter what we're going through, no matter what the world says, we have a hope that is beyond this world. We have a hope that is beyond our situation and our circumstance. We have hope. And, and, and honestly, I believe in my spirit that people are desiring to know the hope of Jesus. As governments begin to um, kind of lose credibility, as businesses begin to lose their credibility, as all of the authority gets drained away from those places, I believe people are beginning to look to the church. They're beginning to look to Jesus. That's what we see here at St. Peter's on a Sunday. Maybe you're here today because like, actually my world has been really messy and I just wanted to come and see what this is all about. Maybe um, it's a little bit like an alpha where people come in out of their own place of crisis and they come and want to find out the person that brings stability to their lives. Just one of the roles I have here at St. Peter's is I get the privilege of being involved in the student ministry here. And it's an incredible joy and a gift because um, on a regular basis, students are amazing by the way because they're really brave at inviting their friends and there's a, a one guy in particular who's very good at this and a couple of Tuesdays ago um, we had uh, two characters that came in, one was w Muslim and one was Buddhist and just the way we do it is quite messy at students, we just kind of pray as worship's going along and, and ministering and God was ministering to these people and these, ama these amazing guys uh, and they both put their hands up to become Christians at the end of the night like these guys, the world is, is, is wanting the hope of Jesus. It's an exciting time uh, because we believe in a God who is with us in all moments, all places and all times. That's what Advent reminds us of, right? That we are acknowledging, we're remembering what he did 2,000 years ago, that he came in the form of a baby in a manger. We're going to hear all about that over the next four weeks. We acknowledge there are areas in our own lives where we're still awaiting for him to come and take charge of in our lives, where we're waiting, where we're waiting for God to show up. And then we're waiting, as we've sung, for Christ's return. We're waiting in a hope that's beyond this world. So in the time that I've got left, I want to speak on how we can live with the hope that has arrived, the hope that is available, and the hope that is awaited. And we live with permahope. So Hebrews 10, 1923, um, if you've got your Bibles, extra points in heaven. If you haven't, it'll be on the screen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The back backbone of the Christian Faith, the Christian church since the beginning is the unwavering hope that we have in Jesus. But the problem is, we're all probably guilty and it's so easy to put our hope in other things, right? Uh, and we can so easily make these other areas in our lives the priority over Jesus. 
And simply that's idolatry. Idolatry is, a, is valuing something more than we value God. And it's a tough word to hear, but it's the reality for all of us. And I think if we're honest, as we come into the Christmas season, we can find ourselves doing that a little bit. We can make idols out of some of the things that we want, some of the situations we want to be in. But what happens when we value something more highly than we value God is we're forced to do two things. We suppress the truth of God and we suppress and question the character of God. The reality is when we value something more than we value God, what we end up doing is we actually suppress God's truth and we question his character, which by the way is one of the enemy's tactics. He'll get us to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. And, and, and so we can all be guilty of these kind of these things where we make priority, maybe our job, our health, the relationship that we're in, our car, England winning the World Cup, really unlikely. Uh, we keep praying, especially after that last performance, it was appalling. That Christmas present we have our eyes on, whatever it is, the list is endless, but these are like surface idols, but actually it goes deeper than that. A, a, a guy called Tim Keller, he's a pastor in America, uh, he, he talks about how there are actually four source idols. And he says that we're probably all one of them, um, but more realistically, two or three, if we're really honest. And he talks about how every other surface idol, all of those things that we make a priority, actually stem from these. And so this is maybe an opportunity for you to think, well, what am I? Where is it that I maybe get my um, kind of, where, where I make the priority? Is it comfort? Is it control? Is it approval? Is it power? Now, don't get me wrong, there are some moments in life where we have to take control. For instance, yesterday when my eldest son was holding my younger son at the top of the stairs, it was really good that my wife was there to control the situation. I know that my problem is control, um, especially when I'm in the uh, kind of passenger seat of certain drivers um, that I've had the privilege of being in the car with. But, but what are you? Maybe you want to control things for the sake of comfort. Maybe um, it's approval you're looking for so that you might have power it doesn't really matter what it is in terms of telling others right now but the reality it matters because it means that we're probably all guilty if that is our priority that we're not making Jesus priority the reason this matters is where we place our hope is actually directly tied to our joy now it depends on where we're placing our joy so we're not talking about happiness. We're not talking about that feeling when, you know, you get out of bed and, um, the, you know, the, the, the sun's shining, the birds are singing. You didn't get woken up by them, but it, they're singing now. And, and it's a good day. You've actually, you've actually rolled out the right side of bed for a change. You, you woke up before your children. They didn't wake you up. That, that's a miracle. Um, it's, been, it's been a happy start to the day. And then suddenly you get an email or you get a text or someone just looks at you and you're like, what, what have I done? And then you question everything about that relationship. Uh, and that happiness just vanishes. How easy is that for all of us? That our happiness can just vanish. We're not talking about happiness, we're talking about joy, a deep-rooted joy, because happiness just goes. And what happens is we become frustrated, and the reality is when we become frustrated, we end up getting short with someone else, and then their happiness goes, because we normally are then short with someone around us, most likely the people that are in our family or closest to us, friends and colleagues. Much better to have a deep-rooted joy that can't be affected by life circumstances, right? 
a joy because of the hope we have. And when we become Christians, the Spirit of God comes and lives within us so that it might work through us and out of us. So our joy is in our hearts. That's why we talk about the joy of the Lord. That's why that verse is so powerful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not life circumstances are your strength and how you react to them. It's, it's already there. That deep-rooted joy is because of the hope that we have, no matter what we're going through. It's not affected by the weather. It's not affected by economic instability. It's not affected by that relationship breakdown. We live from a place of identity and security as children of God, knowing a deep-rooted joy. And when we read the Bible, we see this kind of joy all over the place. There's a passage in Acts where the disciples, the followers, they've been beaten up, they've been whipped, and uh, they leave rejoicing. I mean, like, that's mad, isn't it? Though, but, but those who have joy, they, those that haven't put their chips on, I'm going to be happy when I get that relationship, when I have that thing, when I get this job, when I have sort out that relationship, even in prison, when they're being beaten, when they're being whipped, they had joy. Something stronger than comfort, control, power, approval. Our passage tells us how we can live with a hope, with that deep-rooted joy. Firstly, we live with the hope that has arrived. Over these next four weeks, we're going to turn our attention back to that first Christmas. And when Jesus came into this world and embodied flesh, he took on the testimony of the hope that has arrived. And when, we, when he left his spirit with us, he left the spirit of hope. This time of year is Secret Santa season, right? Anyone else had that email? Um, I don't have massive secrets with my wife at all. We, we try and tell each other absolutely everything. But when it comes to who am I Secret Santa for? No, not saying a thing. And, and honestly, um, I, 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 I'm really excited about Secret Santa this year. Um, but the reality is with God, we, we can't hide anything from him. It's as obvious to him what's going on in our lives and how we're living as it is for me when I play hide and seek with my boys and... After 10, they're still standing with their hands over their eyes in the centre of a room. It's obvious. That area of your life you don't want anyone else to know about, he knows it. That compulsion you have that you've hidden, he is aware of it. But yet he still says, come to me. He still says, you're welcome. We have no secrets from him. He knows everything about us. He designed and formed us. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He, he knows your mind. He knows your heart. He knows all that you're thinking and doing. And so I want you to know this, you are completely known by God and welcomed in his presence. Another translation talks about how you'd be confident of this. You would have an assurance of this, that you can boldly approach Jesus no matter what you've done. He's made a way. In verse 20, it describes how a living way has been opened to us through the curtain that is his body. And this language of curtain is important because in the Old Testament, what we read about is how the high priest would go into the temple in the Holy of Holies only once a year as on the Day of Atonement to go and kind of apologise and um, deal with all the sins for that, that Israel at that time and um, offer, offer a sacrifice on the nation's behalf, basically. But what happened when Jesus died, that seal, that curtain, that was completely torn. 
It was completely removed. That happened physically, it happened in the temple, but it also happened spiritually. There's suddenly, there was no divide anymore. It was like there was access that was allowed for us as humans. Access is an incredible thing. And some of us, we need to know again today as we go into this season that we can draw near to him. That that curtain has been torn, that that veil has gone and we can draw near to him today. For some of us, we need a revelation of his love again today. We need to be aware of his grace again, to be more aware of his presence again in our lives, what he's done for us, the hope that is only found in him again. We sang in Christ alone, in Christ alone. You might be thinking, well, you have no idea what I've been up to this year. You might be thinking, you have no idea of my secret stuff. Well, there's good news for me and for you. Uh, The Bible is absolutely littered with people who messed up, who got it wrong. And no matter what you've done, we're promised that we haven't outsinned the grace of God. There's always grace. There's always a way back. Whatever you've done, you're welcomed into his presence because of what he's done for you. It talks about how he sprinkled our hearts clean from an evil conscience. Just a little sprinkle. Now that evil conscience is lifted. And then just in case there's just a bit of nastiness left, it says that with the remaining, he'll totally wash your body clean. Uh, when we um, go on holiday and we've had a day at the beach, um, we might have had to deal with the odd kind of push and shove uh, between the cousins or whatever. Um, but those cousins, those boys are not allowed into the house. They're not welcomed into the presence until they are hosed down, until they are, they are fully washed and fully clean. And this is what this is talking about. It's saying that even when you've dealt with a few things, actually you, you are going to be dealt with completely. You are washed completely so you can come into his presence. And Advent's a time where we celebrate that we were stuck yet Jesus came for us. That actually we were helpless and he died for us. That there was nothing we could do to save ourselves and he came and he took upon himself all that we should take on ourselves so that we could have freedom with him. Redemption showed up. He shows up in your life today. His name is Jesus. And so we live with the hope that has arrived. Secondly, we live with the hope that is available. He is faithful. We have faith in Jesus because of what he has done, but also what he is doing now. And over Advent, we remember his faithfulness in the waiting. You know, we acknowledge that there are areas in our lives personally where we're waiting on God to show up. And listen, the reality is we're, we're all waiting on something, aren't we? Maybe it's that deal to come through, that relationship to be restored, that diagnosis, that healing, that um, friend of yours that has just gone a long way away from Jesus, that prodigal to return, that breakthrough, that miracle, whatever it is, we're waiting on something. But we hold on with hope. It talks about how it, it, we hold on tightly to him. We hold tightly to him, unswervingly, verse 23 says. Whatever you're going through, he is with you. When things get rough, he says, hold on to me. Just as we've held hands to each other, we hold on to Jesus. And hope stands in the tension of the now and the not yet. The kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming. That's why we see miracles. That's why we see healings. That's why we see breakthroughs and we rejoice and we give thanks. But one day there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering as we are healed completely. One day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. But we live in this mystery and miracle. We live in the tension. But we hope because we trust in what God has done and what he is continuing to do 
and who he has shown himself to be time and time and time again. I feel led to say this. Some of you, um, you don't know what he saved you from in the past. Some of you, you should be dead, but you're alive. He is faithful. He is good. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And until you die, you're going to give your lives to him as if it's nothing else that matters in your life. He is a good God and he has a plan for you. Embrace him today. He is the only one you can put your hope in. He is the only one who is secure. He is the only one who you can hold tightly to and trust holds you back. He's also the one who draws near to the brokenhearted. He's with the crushed in spirit. He knows what you're going through. When we live with that hope, no matter our circumstance, do you know what happens? People take notice around us. People see what's going on. They see something that is bigger than the circumstance and the situation. They see that you carry something that lasts and isn't just for now. They see hope. And I wonder, if you're really honest, if we're really honest, what is it that we put our hope in? Comfort? When I have this, I'll be okay. Maybe it's when that person approves of me, I'll be happy. Maybe when I have that power, I'll be satisfied. Maybe when I have control, or maybe you're realising, I thought I had control and I actually don't have control. Suddenly my job doesn't seem so certain. Suddenly um, finances aren't as obvious and easy to deal with. I have to stop trying to control the situation and put my faith tightly in Jesus again. He is faithful. And actually the reality is, hopefully as Christians, if that's what you're, you call yourself today, we're all trying to become more like Jesus, right? We're all trying to become more like him. And actually what Jesus did, he went where it was uncomfortable. He went to the cross. He relinquished control, said, it's not my will. It's not my will, but it's your will, Father. He was separated from approval from the heavenly Father as he sacrificed his power. Do you know, have you ever thought, you know, he was powerful enough to come off the cross? Have you ever thought about that? But he went through it for me and for you because he knew a hope was coming. Hope was coming three days later and he wanted us to know that hope today. Maybe with some of the people you know, why don't you chat this week? If you really don't like talking to other people, maybe journal. Like what is the thing that actually, if you're honest, you've put your hope in over this last year? Coming into land. Verse 25 says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Finally, we live with the hope that is awaited. Football might not be coming home, but hope is coming home. And at Advent, we remember the hope that is coming. We're people of hopeful expectation for the future. One of the greatest privileges of my job is I get to do life with people in the really great moments, the celebration moments, but also this last term in particular, um, some tougher moments, moments where I've been taking communion to people uh, literally on their deathbed. And it's been the most incredible privilege because what you get to do is you get to talk to people about where they wish they'd put their hope, what they wish they hadn't made a priority in their lives. And every now and then you come across someone who is so peaceful and has such deep-rooted joy, even cancer-stricken in her last days, that she's got a hope in something greater. She knows that she's going to be of Jesus we're moving towards the renewal of all things. 
restoration of life with him. And because of that, we can live an overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. God's relentless in his efforts to restore the world and has promised that he will not give up until it's done. The, the truth is, really when it comes to being relevant culturally, we're never relevant when we mirror the culture and when we mirror the culture of the world around us. But we're relevant when we live the kind of lives that gets people to stand up and take notice of what we actually carry and what actually matters. That's what happens when the faith that we have and the love to others, it overspills, springs out of the hope that we have. And my prayer is for us as a community this Christmas that we'll be able to do that. That actually we're all going to be agents of hope to our friends, to our family members, to our loved ones, to those we meet at the school gate, to those that we're on the bus with, to those that we're in the gym with, to those that we do life with, to those that we bump into. This Christmas, let's invite our friends to experience the greatest gift of Jesus. And let's offer hope in the form of a hot water bottle as we warm up those in need this Christmas. Practically, we can all do that. We can all invite one person. We can all invite one person and we can all get involved. Verse 24 says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encourage each other. I think for some... It feels like the finish line is in sight. That Christmas day is in sight. But if you're really honest, actually you're exhausted. If you're really honest, actually you're, you're done. Uh, the idea of another month of whatever is going on in your life, it's just too much. You're exhausted, you're done. I want to encourage us. Um, we can be people that carry hope for each other. There are seasons where we'll need to carry others across the finish line. Love us to watch a little clip and then we're going to come into a time of prayer. To be sure of taking the title. And right now he seems to have lost control of his legs. And this is worrying. Oh, and he's starting to slow. And there is a little way to go. There's half a K to go. And Johnny is running out of time and is losing... He's losing his sense of direction this is worrying oh goodness me this is a horrible sight Jonathan Brownlee has lost it now and has staggered to a stop at the side of the course and Alice has stopped to help him along the brothers are coming home arm in arm to finish in second and third but Johnny can hardly stand and Alistair is having to drag him across the line and pushing him home pushing him home for second Johnny finishes in second. Goodness me, what an incredible conclusion here in Cozumel. The brothers are coming home arm in arm to finish in... I think there's something really powerful in that for us as a church in this season. There are moments where we might have to break stride, to slow down, to come alongside someone else who, if they're really honest, they're done. And, and I would love in a moment for us to, to pray for that. Johnny Browley was coming towards the end of the race. The finish line's in sight. He's running, but he's starting to lose steam. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's not had enough water, but he's collapsing. And then his brother comes along. He pushes him over the finish line in front of him. This is what the church does for each other. 
We carry hope for each other when we can't carry it ourselves. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're running on empty, you're done and you actually want to give up. For some of us, this is how we feel the pressure of Christmas is coming. Some of us actually, we're really honest, we just want to get Christmas over and done with. And we hate Christmas for whatever reason. It carries pain, sadness, disappointment. I want to encourage us over this Advent, over these next four weeks, as we welcome this city, as we host this city, as we bless this city, as we see this city say yes to the hope that is only found in Jesus. Let's let that perma-hope, that permanent hope, that fixed hope that we have in Jesus take priority again and help us to live with that deep-rooted joy, that faith that spills out of us and makes the world stand up and notice. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment. Um, Why don't we, I mean, you'll know if this is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is already here. um, But for those of us that aren't used to this, why don't we put our hands out in front of us and just... Maybe the, the greatest gift right now that you can receive is just a fresh revelation of his love, of his hope. Um, so we put our hands out in front of us as a sign of receiving a gift. And we close our eyes because, in my opinion, it helps us remain uh, not to be distracted. We just say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and have your way. Holy Spirit just can I just see the Spirit just beginning to rest on a few of you and you know that's you if that's you just ask for more just say more Lord come Holy Spirit if you're on the ministry team if you want to begin to make your way out um, to the front and um Thank you so much. And those of you that already, you just know that the God's on you. He's ministering to you. I can see it happening with a few of you. Just begin to make your way out. I think he just wants to encourage. Uh, Really simply, if you want prayer today, I'd encourage you to come and receive. Um, Come and receive from the only one that we can rely on, that we can put our hope in. But there are some of you in particular, you're just done. You feel like you're crawling into Christmas. And, uh, and, and that hope is gone. There's only so much that can happen through the words that we speak, but the power of the Holy Spirit that's promised wants to come and just minister and give fresh revelation of hope. So come, Holy Spirit. If that's you, why don't you just begin to make your way out to the front? And I think Dan and Kate have maybe got some more words as well.